the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor. Today is Thursday, April the 30th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on April 30, 1945, Soviet troops were approaching his Berlin bunker. Adolf Hitler committed suicide along with his wife, his wife of one day, Eva Braun. Today in AD 311, shortly before his death, Roman Emperor Galerius, he issued his Edict of Toleration that ended persecution of Christians, pretty much. Today in 1789, George Washington took the oath of office in New York. He became the first president of the United States. And today in 1803, the United States purchased the Louisiana Territory from France for 60 million francs. That would, the equivalent in dollars would be about $15 million. Today in 1900, engineer, train engineer John Luther Casey Jones, he was with the Illinois Central Railroad, he died in a train wreck near Vaughan, Mississippi. He stayed at the controls trying to save the passengers. He was successful. He gave his life to save the passengers on the train. Casey Jones. Today in 1945, the radio show Queen for Today was later called Queen for the Day. It premiered on the Mutual Radio Network. Today in 1975, the Vietnam War ended as the South Vietnamese capital of Saigon fell to communist forces. I was in Vietnam about that time. And boy, it was tense. I probably would not have gone at that time had I known how tense it was, but the Lord knows, and I was there, and the shooting was all around, and they were closing in on the city. I was in Saigon and elsewhere in the country with missionaries, and we were building some churches and planting some churches, and uh, none of the bullets hit us, but we sure heard a lot of gunfire in the mountains and the foothills around us, but those were very horrible times uh, for the country, and many Vietnamese, as you know, um, came to America and are here now as a result of that. But anyway, today in 1975, the Vietnam War ended. The communists took over. Sad day for the Vietnamese, for sure. Governor Inslee has announced that he's going to be extending his stay-at-home order for Washington State. The governor said yesterday that public health data is leading him to extend the order, which has closed thousands of businesses limited large gatherings, as we all know, and so on. He said the order the order was scheduled to lift on May 5, but that is not going to happen. It's going to be extended. As far as I know, he hasn't said how long it's going to be extended, just that it's going to be extended. I suppose data will drive that decision. I want to talk to you a little bit today about politics, but I want to talk to you a little bit about the basis of the politics that we see going on around us, particularly Joe Biden and others, 
This has a direct effect on our lives, and many of you, most of you perhaps, that listen to this program, you know that. But the overriding factor of what politicians do and the importance, I think the more important, is why they do what they do and what they believe and how what a person believes impacts our lives, our families, our communities, and our culture. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. You may know if you follow these things at all, and I I think I mentioned it on this program this week, but on Tuesday of this week, Hillary Clinton, finally, she finally got around to endorsing Joe Biden for president of the United States. It is said often that political endorsements don't really help that much by political pundits who make a living talking about politics. I suppose they don't in many cases, but the lack of an endorsement or the timing of one does say something about what's going on. With Joe's diminishing ability to communicate publicly and now the this sexual assault accusation from a former employee, she's now an author, Tara Reed, it's becoming more credible each day, even though the press is trying to hide it. They're trying to make it go away. It's not going away. Joe Biden has become a dilemma for the Democrats. And that matters to us. Oh, I'm not a Democrat, Gary. No, neither am I. But that matters to us because (laughs) an election is coming this year in November. I want to talk to you a little bit about progressivism and humanism and relativism and why it ultimately fails. And I want to talk to you about that in the context of what's happening in our world today as we speak. And then I want to tell you there is a better way. On Tuesday, Hillary said on the uh, kind of an interface with Joe Biden, he has a kind of a TV studio. It's a streaming thing he has set up in his basement of his home. And that's working to his advantage and to the advantage of the Democratic Party right now because he doesn't have to be out there. He doesn't have to take questions other than what he wants to take, and he's sequestered, and it's the right thing to do and all that. It's kind of a perfect storm for them right now. But Hillary said on a streaming thing, they weren't together physically, but they were on this thing together. I don't know how many people, if any, very many were watching it, but she said, I'm thrilled to be a part of your campaign to not only endorse you, but to help highlight a lot of the issues that are at stake in this presidential election. She said, I want to add my voice to the many who have endorsed you to be our president. Just think of the difference it would have uh, made right now if we had a president who not only listened to the science, put facts over fiction, but also brought us together. Joe Biden and I share the same values. Now, that could be a punchline for a comedian because, I mean, in the context They probably do share the same values. Well, they have endorsed the Me Too, the hashtag Me Too movement, and the hashtag hashtag Believe All Women or whatever it was. Hillary has covered up for her husband her whole lifetime. And he's done a lot of bad things. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And my point isn't to rehash Bill Clinton's life, but I'm just saying. And Joe Biden had to apologize the other day, here a week or so ago, because he said, I have 
inappropriately touched women over these years and I'm from a different generation and I'm going to try to do better going forward. Well, that part of that is, I mean, all of it is true. He has done all that. And he is from a different generation, but was that ever the right thing to do? I don't, I mean, how was that the right thing to do? It's not generational. It's about what we believe. Hillary, of course, didn't mention the sexual assault accusations that are growing and deepening against Joe Biden. But Tara Reid, the accuser, did. The problem that they have with Tara Reid is she's a lifelong Democrat. In fact, she reminds them of that. She said, quote, Tara Reid, she said, I voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. I voted for her in the primary. I'm a lifelong Democrat, but yet what I see now is someone enabling a sexual predator, and it's my former boss, Joe Biden, who raped me. Hillary Clinton has a history of enabling powerful men to cover up sexual predatory behaviors, this uh, Tara Reid says, and she says they're inappropriate sexual misconduct. We don't need that for this country. We don't need that for our next generation coming up that wants institutional rape culture to change. She said, I will not be smeared, dismissed, or ignored. I stand in truth, and I will keep speaking out. Well, the accusation is, it's kind of hard to hear, but I'll just touch on it briefly. Reed alleges that Biden assaulted her while the two were in the basement of a Capitol building in 1993. And the story goes, and it's pretty much consistent about what what happened. The story goes that Biden told one of his upper staff people to tell her that he'd like to meet her and would she bring him his gym bag to go work out or whatever uh, down in some kind of a deserted hallway in the basement. I guess there's all this catacombs under the Capitol there, whatever. But anyway, so she, she admired him very much. She said she idolized him. And so she took the gym bag and took off to, to take it to him. So here's a part of her account. She said, when she came up to him, he pushed her against the wall and started touching her inappropriately, and and then it gets worse. But she said, he was whispering to me and trying to kiss me at the same time, and he was saying, do you want to go somewhere else? She said, uh, she told Associated Press, she said, I remember wanting to say stop, but I don't know if I said it out loud or if I just thought it. I was kind of frozen up. She said she moved away from Biden, and then he said, she said, He said to her, come on, man, I heard you liked me. Well, the Biden campaign has denied the allegation, of course, and the vice president has not said a word yet. But on Monday of this week, the business insider interviewed Linda Lacoste. She's a former neighbor of Reed. They live next door. And she says the two had discussed this quite a bit back in those days and in 95 and 96, a couple of years later. She said, quote, and she said this on the record, uh, Linda Lacoste, a neighbor, she said, I remember her saying, here was this person that she was working for, and she idolized him, and he kind of put her up against a wall and put his hand up her skirt and and put his fingers inside of her, and this is in the news, I'm just telling you what's out there, and she felt like she'd have been assaulted, and she really didn't feel there was anything else she could do, she was crying, Lacoste said she was upset, and the more she talked about it, the more she started crying. And she said, I remember saying that she needed to file a police report. 
She said, I, I don't remember all the details, but I remember the skirt, the fingers, and I remember that she was devastated. Well, when this stuff starts leaking out into the news today, I mean, obviously the other side, the left, but the problem is she's on the left. She is a Democrat. She's one of them. She's a lifetime Democrat, a lifetime liberal. And that's the problem. And the left today has a Joe Biden dilemma. That is the problem. The Business Insider gives a rundown on this thing, and it'll save me from spending more time on it except to say this. The Insider gives this brief overview, and I'll give it to you. Tara Reid's a former staffer in Joe Biden's Senate office. She's accused the Democratic presidential nominee of sexually assaulting her in a congressional hallway, 1993. Number two, now Reid's former neighbor, Linda Lacoste, a Biden supporter, tells Insider Reid that about her alleged assault in detail in 90, at the time, 1995 and 1996. This happened, uh, Lacoste says, and I know it did because I remember talking about it. Number three, a former colleague of Reed's also told Insider that Reed talked about it in the mid-1990s of being sexually harassed by her former boss in Washington, D.C. Number four, the women have come forward just days after video emerged of a woman that Reed says was her mother calling CNN's Larry King Live in 1993 to talk about her daughter's problems with a prominent senator. And I'll pause. I have... I have watched that video, and perhaps you've seen it somewhere. It was out there, and then it got wiped clean, and it was kind of taken away, taken out of the public domain. But there are conservative organizations, including Media Research Council, that have the the video. It was on CNN with Larry King Live in 1993. This woman calls in from San Luis Obispo, where she lived at the time, and is talking about this very incident. It's so uh, poignant that the left just couldn't deal with it because it sounds truthful. I mean, here's a mother and she's concerned and she's talking about this very issue and sharing the same details, but she's not identifying Joe Biden. And the next bullet point that the insider says is that Biden has not addressed the accusations, but his spokespeople say it's false, of course. But this coupled with the fact that Joe Biden's ability to communicate publicly is noticeably in decline, he's become the Democrats' dilemma. So what's going to happen? Will he be on the ballot in November? Well, Rick Manning is a longtime political observer. He was on uh, one of the programs on American uh, 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 American Family Association radio network the other day, one day this week, I think it was Tuesday. And he said Democrats are already concerned about Biden's mental abilities. And then came this sexual assault accusations by Tara Reid. He said, even though it appears prominent Democrats are jumping on board to endorse him, most recently Hillary Clinton, Manning says this, and he's been around for a long time. He's, as I said, he leads the American for limited government. And he said on this radio program on American Family, he said, he said, between June 1 and July 4, They'll be shocked to discover, he's talking about the Democratic Party, they'll be shocked to discover there are credible charges against Biden. And oh, by the way, there's real questions over whether or not he can handle the job. And he's just declined. I think he means he's declined to run. I'm not sure what Manning means by that, but I'm just quoting what he said. And he's just declined. And so at that point, they'll pick who they want. 
Well, Ben Shapiro has written about this, and he sees it a little bit differently. And I, again, I, I'm not going to read a lot of what he said. He wrote a, a good article. His, he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. You probably know who he is. He's a graduate of UCLA and Harvard Law School. And um, he writes a lot. He's very, very conservative. And he doesn't see it that way. He says, he talks about the inequities of the media and how they treat Trump and one thing or another. He points out the fact that the other day, one of the journalists that in the briefing asked President Trump this question when there were so many bigger issues to discuss and ask about. They said, if an American president loses more Americans over the course of six weeks than died in the entirety of the Vietnam War, does he deserve to be reelected? <laughs> I saw that question asked to the president. I mean, that's where journalism is today. And that's the point that Ben Shapiro is making. He's saying that that this is a it's exposing the duplicity and, and the and the I mean, it's just it's almost insanity of the press. They believe that people believe them, and some do, but not most people. And that's the point that Ben uh, Shapiro is making. But he goes on to say, he said, that's why this matters. And then he said this. He said, Biden's candidacy will survive, Tara Reid. Democrats are dumping Biden overboard based on a 27-year-old accusation of questionable veracity, and they certainly won't do so when running against Trump, who has his own checkered history. But the media's pathetically hypocritical standard on due process and sexual assault allegations won't survive. Neither will their credibility. And he goes on on that particular tack for a little while longer. He said, we're living at a time when we must trust the media more than ever to bring us unabashed factual information about global pandemic. But he goes on to say we can't trust them and agreed with all of that. But I don't, I'm not sure he's right on this other matter. I I mean, time will tell. But I, I kind of have a hunch that, and I've been watching this, I think maybe they're using Joe as a stooge. I, I'll believe it when I see it that he will actually become the nominee of the party. Maybe he will. I mean, I don't know. I don't hang out with those guys. And my, I'm coming from a biblical point of view, not a political point of view, but it just seems to me that uh, there's just too much interest behind the scenes. Barack Obama's reinserted himself. His wife is hanging around this election now. They're trying to influence. There's no question about that. And Hillary was slow to come around, but now she's come around and I mean, we'll see how it all shakes out. But the thing is, and I say this so often on this program, whatever they do, God is in control. But we need to be informed. And that's why we do what we do on this program every day. We talk about what's happening in our world today, and that's why we do it live in its origination. Some of the stations you're listening to, they're not many, but the ones that we're on, some of them are delayed a few hours, but it's all today. These aren't programs that are canned in advance and, and played, and there's nothing wrong with that. That just isn't what we do here. And I know many of you understand that, and sometimes you know we'll have a drop in the, in the line on our live origination and all of that, and I know you understand. You have no idea how we're working, not just me, but other people, engineers and stuff, are working to remedy that, but it happens. And that's why most people record their programs, edit them down, and pop them on the air. I mean, that's the way to do it. We're just not doing that this that way this time on this program in its origination. 
And I, I just want to thank you for standing with us. These are terrible times for so many, for most people. I mean, everybody's feeling this. New York Post is is reporting this morning that 30 million Americans are now out of work. Fox Business put out a, a little story this morning. 3.8 million people applied for unemployment this week in America. These are very difficult times. They're very challenging times. We have to be reminded of God's word. We have to stand on God's word, and that's what we're trying to do in this in this ministry. And I know many of you recognize that. And I want to thank you for standing with us. We need you. I need you to do what I feel the Lord has called me to do. And I, I just want to urge you if, you, if you believe this program has value in what we're doing, please stand with us. And to all of you who do, thank you so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I want to remind you today, something that Peter said a long time ago, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. These are God's words, not mine. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? And that echoes so much of what we read in the Old Testament. The psalmist wrote, A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Isaiah the prophet wrote, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, when the enemy shall come in like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Those are the promises that we stand on in peril and in good times. But particularly in these kinds of times, and these are tough times, we must lean heavily on God, on his word, and on his promises. Why do progressives believe what they believe? Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 7, it's so simple. I mean, a first grader could understand this. Jesus taught in his parable, which he did so marvelously. He said that a wise man builds his house on the rock. That would be Judeo-Christian biblical values and principles, the word of God. He taught that the foolish man builds his house on the sand. Hollow, shifty, evolving truths. Everything is a new truth. As I said, a first grader can understand that when the rains come down, the storms come, the wind blows, the house on the rock stands, the house on the sand collapses. And according to Jesus, we call this program Straight Talk. You talk about straight talk. According to Jesus, one man is wise, the other is a fool. I wrote an article about this today, and I included a two-minute video that will make you smile, but it will also ask you to just take an inventory. Which are you? Are you the wise or the foolish? I would like to ask you on our radio program today about that as well. Progressives will never be successful in transforming our country and my opinion, at least, into a leftist state. I know they try, and they make progress. Jimmy Carter made progress as he was telling everybody he was born again. 
He was making progress, pulling this country to the left. God intervened, interrupted that. Ronald Reagan was elected. Their goal is to create a perfect country run by perfect people to create a perfect future are not realistic. It's just words. What they never seem to understand is how deeply flawed their aspirations really are. There is no utopia except that which is taught in the Bible. It's called heaven. First, there are there are some of the most naive people among us. No matter how intelligent they are, they never have wisdom. No matter how educated they are, they don't seem to have understanding. The Bible speaks of those who are constantly learning but never coming to an understanding of the truth. That defines the progressive, the secular progressive. Regardless of their passion for changing this country and everything else, they are the ones who are incapable of learning deeply and understanding the things that James Madison, a founding father, talked about. The vulnerabilities, the weaknesses of human beings. Our founding fathers were so cued in to the fact that we are all imperfect, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that they built into our founding documents and our Constitution, certain checks and balances, because they knew that all have sinned. We are imperfect. They knew that, and they took that into account. That's one of the most unbelievable aspects of America. That's why we are exceptional. Not because we're arrogant and saying we're exceptional. It's because we are exceptional, because this nation was founded on the truth of God's Word. But the progressive thinks that offering a flawless world, that we can all line up behind them and we all, all need to just look at their goals and their aspirations and we'll all fall into line and we will arrive at utopia. And yet country after country after country has gone down that path and now they rest in the dustbin of history. Or they are writhing, trying to survive, like Venezuela and others. Most Americans aren't progressives. At some level, we realize that the bounties that we've realized are blessings. We can just pursue whatever job we want, even though jobs are evaporating now, they'll come back. We can live in any country we want to pretty much. We can have families of any size pretty much. We can travel whenever we choose except for right now. We can worship how we choose except for now when we're not gathering in large groups. Progressivism doesn't take into account that Americans, of all the peoples in the world, are incredibly blessed, and we know it. Not everybody, but most of us. We don't need to steal from others or give up any of the prospects of our futures. We speak a language of gratitude and opportunity and creativity and possibility and fulfillment. That's what we're about. We're not progressives. We're not socialists. And we don't want to go there. And it's all based on what we believe. And the dilemma that the Democrats or the secular progressives, whatever party, independent, whatever they are, that's the dilemma that they face. It's not about what they believe politically. It's about what they believe in a worldview. What they really believe is truth. And they have no truth. It's evolving. That's why we've got to save our kids from falling into the pit that they're taught every day in public school. We've got to teach them truth, God's principles, God's word. That's why we see what we see in our culture today. Double standards, hypocrisy among our elected leaders. It's because of what they believe more than what they do. 
And that's the important thing that faces all of us today in America. And I believe that God is calling his people to be informed, be vigilant, be discerning, be aware, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. See you tomorrow.